Welcome to a miracle. Nutrition. All right, well, start over again. Welcome to a miracle. Nutrition. Types of breads. Hardy White. Oh, I'm out. Join me now, won't you? For a full hour. What happened in those missing seconds? Where was Hardy just now? I was in a dream. Oh, my friends, I hear your plaintive cries. I hear your lamentations. That's a good word. I do get it confused with laminate which is something that you should not ever do to your social security card, apparently. But I hear you crying out, sometimes in pain and sadness. You may say, oh, Hardy. Sometimes you say my name, but if you don't know me, you wouldn't. You'd say, oh, what am I supposed to do in the world? Who am I? What is my place? As the years go by, I feel more and more confused. I feel like I'm not accomplishing what I'm supposed to do, or I, I haven't done what, I don't even know what's going on, the rules of this game, so how am I going to play it? And maybe, you say, you're still talking to me, my dear friend Hardy, you're going to give me the answer. Are you going to give me the answer on this show? No. Why not? I'll tell you why. Because I believe that that is what they call, or just me, uh, they don't call, you're all going to call this soon, but right now it's just me calling it that, an eyes closed question. It's a question that is burning and significant and painful when your eyes are closed. But if you open your eyes and learn how to see the world in yourself, then it will become irrelevant. For instance, let's say you're dreaming, you're in a dream. And you say to me, Hardy, how do I get this eyeball out of this piano that might also be a shopping cart? I don't even know what it is. And what I would say is, wake up, wake up. And you wake up. You go, what? And I go, I've solved your problem. I've answered your question. Your questions disappeared because it was a question from a shadow realm. It was a question from a dream world. It was a question that does not take into consideration the actual reality of all this. And the actual reality doesn't have eyeballs stuck in pianos, really. I can't even imagine how to go about solving that problem. I would say, do I don't know who to call, a piano tuner or an ophthalmologist. It's very tricky. Um, it depends on whether the eyeball can be, can be salvaged. I might just keep it there and see what the inside of a piano looks like while you're playing. I don't know if it's a way to connect to it. Oh, but I hear your problems. And as a person who's getting older, and when I hear it from younger people, I always think about my own life, which has been, I don't know, uh, not very organized. I have been, and don't tell anybody, I have been winging it. So I'm not exactly sure how to live a human life. And I thought at the very beginning, I'm going to play this by ear. 
because I just don't know what's going on. And you hear one thing, and then you hear another, and it's conflicting. It's very confusing. So I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to cobble something together. You know, I'm just going to put it together from parts. Do you ever see somebody in a, uh, uh, doesn't have a lot of resources or something, maybe they're in a uh, geographical location that's isolated, but they want a bicycle? And so they make a bicycle out of things that look like a bicycle. And you can do that. Oh, you can just cobble it together. And we're going to, maybe I'll help you do that. See, I've made so many mistakes and had so many needless uh, fights with myself that I, I want to reach out to younger folks, especially, and older folks, and everybody plagued by these questions, and, and give your heart a big massage and say, hey, I got some information that might help you. Here's a, a story about what happens if you never really deal with that torment. <laughs> but here, here I am on the other end, about to give you not advice, but examples, and to help you maybe open your eyes a little bit. And then once your eyes are open, um, nothing is solved because a lot of the things go away. A lot of the questions go away, I think, and they become irrelevant Oh, float with me now in this stream. That's what I like to do. Whenever I think, I don't want to, I hate to think with a purpose. I always think, well, gee, if I have a goal to my thinking, then I might miss something else. If I'm walking on a path and I'm so determined to get to what I think is the destination I want, all my answers could be to my right or left or even down or up. So when I'm walking through the woods, I never think, oh, I'm going to go three miles. I think may, I might go two feet because I'm going to look down and up and around. And as I do it, I'm going to try not to label things. That's a tree. I wonder, I wish, I just try to be silent and just be with them. And sometimes that's, that's wonderful. And then when I get bored doing that, then I walk straight ahead and again and think I got to get to that witch's house because a lot of times when I wander in the woods it's mythological and I'm there to see children's stories from previous centuries which are horrifying what I like to do it it's just a hobby so I, when I go into the woods I always have three oranges with me in case I'm going to need that I think it's from a French fairy tale but I don't know I end up eating them some of them have princesses in them that are dehydrating. I don't know if you even know that. Prokofiev wrote a, uh, a thing, uh, Love of Three Oranges, but it's based on this French fairy tale. And I remember going to the library and looking it up and thinking, this is madness. I love it. I love it. Was this for children? Did we, why did we do that? I wonder why we confuse and scare children. I guess to get them ready. You know, say, oh, I hate to tell you this. It didn't all, I wish the Flintstones had been grittier because I felt ill-prepared. The Flintstones prepared me only for very, very subtle relationship problems. You know, nothing, nothing really hard. Um, there was no real dealing with violence or they never lost their home or in a catastrophic accident or something like that. There's never any real deaths. So uh, 
you know, but it did, it was like, oh, how do you, how, how should you feel about your mother-in-law? Things like that. Which I guess for a seven-year-old is not real super pertinent, but there wasn't anything else like that. Maybe Kimba the White Lion showed me that somebody, there's somebody out there trying to eat you, or I don't know, even. Uh, the racer, what was the Racer X one with the race car guy had a brother that was always trying to kill him or compete. I don't even know. I blocked all that out because I don't, looking back on it, I feel bad. Um, that, I question the things that entertain me. But listen, sometimes entertainment can be absolutely transformative and even the silly kind. Hi, I'm Hardy White. I'm definitely in the silly kind camp. It's a fun camp, and it's just unbelievably silly. When we do archery, we don't even have uh, bows or arrows. We just we just throw stuff, throw grapes at targets and stuff like that. Uh, so it's very it's very uh, loose. But I think it really reflects more of of what life is. You can't really. There's a lot of skills you just can't teach ahead of time. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to use some concrete real-world examples for what it means to live a life, to come into this world, to do something, to affect people or not. And I would like to use, for an example, the motion pictures Breakin' and Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo. They are 1984 pictures which I think is very uh, interesting because, you know, ooh, 1984, uh, a number, another summer is what or Orwell said. And those pictures enc encapsulate something for me. What is it? Well, let me tell you something a little about them first. So Breakin' and Breakin' 2 are what they sound like breakdance movies. So this art form was just coming in, 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 uh, into uh, hip-hop was in its sort of early days. It was just starting to transform, and uh, there was dancing associated with it. There was uh, break dancing, like you see, uh, and this on the uh, East Coast, and people spinning on their backs and heads and stuff like that, and you see the, the B-boys on a piece of cardboard and everything, and there was popping and locking. See groups like the uh, Lockers, and uh, Tony Basil and and uh, West Coast doing popping and locking. You've seen it. It's it's fantastic. And it, this was brand new at the time. Maybe it'd been around. You say no, so and so was doing it in the twenties. Well, whatever. They weren't calling it that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm yelling it. I'm yelling at a well actually person that doesn't even exist. You know, it, it, the problem comes from like I've been on the radio now for a long time, and when Ever you say anything, you immediately realize there's an exception or you're being, you're generalizing and you just hear that listener out there going, well, that's not completely true, but I'm not here to be completely true or give you everything. My goodness, who opens a children's encyclopedia and say, well, this is not actually very comprehensive. No, it's a children's encyclopedia that you get one uh, book of every time you make a certain amount of uh, purchases at the Acme, right? So that's why I am. You go to the Acme, that's WFMU, 
and then you say, oh, you get some some shows give you the equivalent of green stamps, would be musical knowledge. And then when your book is full of green stamps, you might be able to have your own show. So let's say you're listening to, oh, I've been listening to the jazz shows a lot. I feel like now I can have my own jazz show because I filled a whole book with hard bop. So I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to do a just Clifford Brown, maybe. Oh my goodness. I don't mean to digress, but I was riding on the same road that Clifford Brown and Richard Powell died on. And as a jazz fan, uh, it's very scary to me. But anyway, coming back, breaking, breaking too. Now, here's the things I love about it. A lot of things. I watch it for the dancing. You might watch it and you go, wow, this is one of those canon movies and it feels cheap and everything like that. <gasps> Try to look. They have to do some things that are movie-like, right? So there's got to be some acting or there's got to be a plot, but you're watching it for the dancing. Come on, you know it. I know it. You know it. Be it, me it, play it. So you're watching it for the dancing, and the, the, the people, the main stars, all right, are Boogaloo Shrimp, who at the time I think is 16, 15, 16, something like that one of the greatest dancers, in my opinion. And then um, Shabadoo and Special K, who is Lucinda, Lucinda Dickey, who is a former solid gold dancer and went on to star in Ninja 3, I think. I hope I'm getting that right. I don't want to screw this. I should have done a little more research. I'm just a fan, so I just, I'm hoping I know this stuff off the top of my head. But let me just tell, let me just take you through that. But you say, well, I haven't heard of some of those people. If you're into popping and locking or, uh, or hip-hop dance or anything, then you will have heard of them. If not, then you may not have. And you may look at these movies and say, oh, these are terribly dated. And look how silly and all that looks. And look at why they're wearing driving gloves. And, and or you might say, oh, my God, is that iced tea? And you think, it is iced tea. And then you might start getting nervous. You go, should I have car shield? Should I have car shield? But just forget about that and pretend it's 1984. This is before all that. So the thing is the dancing. Now, there are some uh, scenes in that, I think, dance numbers that are up there with the great dance scenes in movies. For like Donald O'Connor running up a wall in Singing in the Rain. I remember reading about that recently, said, yeah, you know, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes at the time, and they made me do multiple takes. <laughs> so these, these dancers and their cigarettes. Just advice, if you're dancing now, don't smoke. So just, uh, I, we figured that out now. It, it's not going to make you Donald O'Connor. But he said it was, you know, it was, it, was, it was hard, and he got this performance out. Now, I don't know if he could ever do it again. Right? You know, that's one of those things that maybe when you're young and a uh, certain shape and lightness or a anything, proportion of, uh, of uh, muscle to, to body weight, and he does it. So there's great dance sequences, and I could go on and on about dancing in movies. You, you know, there's some great stuff. But when Boogaloo Shrimp dances with a broom... And now this is like, oh, that's right out of Don and O'Connor and stuff like that. That's right out of, uh, and, um, uh, and others in uh, Singing in the Rain. And, but it's fantastic. 
because he's doing more modern stuff. Yeah, he's popping and locking, and, and also with the rotating room in the Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. He, he, Boogaloo Shrimp runs on this. Is, oh, he's Turbo in the... So their character names are Turbo, Ozone, and Special K. And there's a lot of Three Stooges elements in these, too. Sometimes they, you know, they're from uh, uh, humble backgrounds, and they're uh, people of color, so they like to take them to uh, rich white people parties and just to show how uh, pompous and, and awful the elites are. And we love that. We love that. That's the good part of the Three Stooges, is when you say, hey, you know, now I think there's more uh, worship of the, of the wealthy or the, you know, those people end up being the, it's all flipped now. But it used to be it's like, oh, here's the, the horrible, mean, vacuous racists. And let's go in and do something to their hors d'oeuvres, mess them around, or I don't know what. So it's got that element in it, which I love. So it's a people's movie, and it's a pro-people. And they're beautifully naive. I love these movies for the gentleness, too. It's, uh, they're corny, and it's just, it makes you, the corniness just makes you absolutely cry with joy. Uh, the uh, Pop and Taco is this... Uh, a great, great dancer. I think he may have died recently, but um, plays a bad guy. It's just, a, I understand, probably one of a sweet, sweet person, and he's pretending to be the, the uh, you know, the bad guy in it and to have these dance-offs and everything. And it's just beautiful and exquisite. What are you getting at, Hardy? I don't understand. Well, I don't know much about the careers of all these people, but I do know this. You might not know their names. And maybe they didn't go on to have great, I'm sure they got uh, gigs and things like that, but th there's not going to be that opportunity again where you're, it's like my thing is popping and locking, and now I'm in a movie about it. I mean, that's pretty spectacular. And those things happen. Then when they happen, they don't, ha they might not happen again. Or... I know that Lucinda Dickey, I don't even think she stayed in movies. And she's a happy, well-adjusted person still. Just moved on. And, you know, a lot of people maybe try to recapture something. Or I guess what I'm saying is I've been wonderfully affected and moved positively by these performances. And that doesn't go away. And I just rewatched it. Something that happened almost 40 years ago. And I don't know the struggles of any of the performers. I always watch these movies too. I watch the extras. I watch people in the background or I watch people have a very small part. And it just delights me because I get to be in that moment and think how exciting it must have been to be in a movie. You know, you can wreck it we're thinking, when is the next great thing? Just saw a little interview <laughs> with Arnold Stang, who I've mentioned many, many times on this show. I'm not going to press the pause. I'm going to drink water. I've never done. I mean, I went uh, 15 years on the radio without taking a sip of water because it was a it was a personal pride. And people go, how do you talk that long without drying out your mouth? <clears throat> I guess I was younger. Now I've used up. I've used up all my spit. I didn't realize there was a, a finite amount of it. 
And now I've got, I've got to use artificial spit. No, that's not right. That's not right. They did have something called quench gum when I was in high school playing football. And I remember, it's going to give you a spit. <laughs> it's just making me, I don't know what. Um, it's got, now I'm grossed out and angry, so I guess I'll be a better football player. I look at these performances and I look at these, at these actors, some of whom are my age. So it's remarkable to see them at, you know, uh, because around I was around that age, 20 or something back then. And I never think I'm going to be 20 again. But I didn't realize I could sort of appreciate something that had gone by. Or that there was a way to bring the past into the present like that. Or that the effects of what I did don't just evaporate. And I think the problem is that when we have our eyes closed, we believe uh, things are a little more limited, that there are walls, that we take things and, you know, with memories and everything, we want to grab them, we want to keep them. And uh, we want things to build, you know, we want collections to build. So I have this salt shaker that's shaped like a pilgrim. I'm going to start a collection, and in a few years, I will have 100 salt shakers, 50 pairs, or 100 pairs, 200 salt shakers. No. Oh, that's a riddle. It's always going to be 100 salt shakers and 100 pepper shakers. So I guess, you know what I'm saying, though. So these collections build, and we expect that. So that by the time we get a certain age, we think, I have all this stuff should be in the bank, and it should be my purpose. I can't imagine, what, am I just going around doing things uh, randomly? Does nothing ever add up? Where's the patterns? Oh, who am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be? Well, listen, nobody has ever turbo their whole life. Turbo got to be turbo. Boogaloo Shrimp got to be turbo at a certain age. And then <clears throat> you say, well, that's so lucky. Yeah. But he's not that age anymore. And that's uh, just like you aren't. And I'm not. It's, it's a little bit more like a cloud than I thought when I was younger. It's a little bit mistier, this whole experience. It's not as... Cut and dry. It's not as easy to uh, to corral it, to to wrangle. It gets out of hand very very quickly. It is really something to be floated through, and there's an illusion. Sometimes you can steer yourself in the current, and you go, "Oh, I can go right and left, and even back a little bit." But the flow is taking you, and it can be. A wonderful experience once you get off your own back and once you stop comparing yourself. Who am I comparing? I do it all the time. Oh my gosh. You know, this is, I'm a, this is a strange radio show, isn't it? And uh, its worth is debatable as a piece of art or something. It's an hour. You could sit down and, wa and listen to an album. And for an hour that is intricate, that has been poured over by multiple geniuses, and you have this great thing, and ah, 
And that hour might be better, you know. But also, that immediately goes into the past as well. And people who make those great albums also are anxious about, yeah, but now what have you done? What have you done recently? They still have that, that pressure. And I find I have it too. But what I've left, uh, let go of is trying to aim it anywhere. And I didn't realize I had actually started to do that before I thought it was a good idea. So it's an aimlessness that I ended up having in my life and in my uh, whatever this is. I don't know my communication. I don't know what it is. I started out as a young person and I knew that I wanted to uh, communicate or entertain with words. I knew that pretty young. And not that I was good at it, but I just, I was attracted to it. I don't even, I don't even know why. And that's a lot of, with a lot of us too. Uh, I started music and I played it my whole, I don't even know why I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, but, but you never will. So I think, I think a lot of the answers uh, that we seek aren't, uh, are from questions that are nonsense. That's what I hope at least. A lot of people are very sure of things will tell you otherwise. And that's rough too. Like, I don't know. To be open-minded also means to have others that are going to insist they're right. And you have to think, well, what, what if they are? That's part of being open-minded too. Maybe your stupid idea that I think is, you know, ridiculous might be right. And, uh, but the, the hardy way does not have the safety net of of confidence, of knowing you're right. Can you live your life like that, Hardy? With an absence of, of sure, of being sure. <laughs> What's the noun for? I don't know, surety, sureness. Can you do that without being positive of something? Can you, can you live a fuzzy life? Can you live a life with fuzzy answers? I think so. I do think so. And I know that my, well, actually, people think so, too, because that's what they're pointing out. So I will say something that I think might be definitive, and they'll say, here's the exception. And what they're doing is they're pointing out the fuzzy blur at the edges of my confidence, at the, ed the edges of my assertion. They'll say, here's your, your fact is... Uh, not a dot. If you go up real close to your fact, you will see the edges are fuzzy and they bleed into other things. And there's this whole area of yes, not yes, of, of on and off at the same time. And I don't know what causes that, whether it's time or something spooky. But I do know that trying to build these uh, houses of cards in a storm will make you miserable and crazy and there's a lot that you can uh, control in life there are things you can see obvious consequences things like that you can steer the ship grossly but not uh, at a uh, at a fine level you know only I think at the at the larger level so 
When I watch break into electric boogaloo, I see all sorts of things that transcend the lives of any individual involved with that production. Oh, the things I get to enjoy. I get, this happens to me in I'm gonna, my, one of my favorite actors is Los Angeles. I especially like Los Angeles' work in the 70s. And so to see that, sometimes I watch Rockford Files because Los Angeles is a character in the Rockford Files and hasn't looked like that since the 70s. And so I, that is a favorite thing too. You know, when you get to see something that was will never be like that again, but is giving you an immense amount of joy or inspiration. <gasps> That's the beauty of it. Sometimes you're not there to see the effects of your wonderful actions. Oh, I know it because I'm here and doing this crazy chaotic thing that I do. And I hope I'm giving you some sort of permission to be as crazy and chaotic and to, to break away from expectations and things that are really, really hurting you. And I hate to see it among people that want to, I see it among people who want to be helpful, among artists, uh, people with, uh, who are curious, who have beautiful minds, and, and you don't have to have great intellect to have curiosity be a wonderful characteristic and something that will make you interesting to other people. And think about it. You know, the people that ask questions. Have you ever been, you meet somebody and they start asking you about yourself and you go, well, this person's pretty, they're pretty amazing. <laughs> they haven't done anything to de demonstrate their intellect. They haven't tried to impress you. They're not bragging. And yet you're probably uh, going to have a positive feeling about them because they're curious and they're asking and you can see that they're present. I've also talked to people that will just uh, go on, give you a life story, tell you why they're great, and not ask you a single question. You think, I don't think that person's very curious. What a strange way to go through life with your eyes closed, reciting things. And that's what I see now when people are like that. I imagine they have their eyes closed and they say, I'm seeing there's a wall over here and there's a wall over here. And I'm in the center and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the Pope. <laughs> it's just this weird, like they're narrating their dream. But if they opened their eyes, they would see me standing in front of them. And their first question would be, who are you? Are you like me? And they would ask me questions to maybe see if I was having a similar experience. I like asking questions of people who have gone places I have not, either physically or emotionally or temporally, like people who are older. And I ask them, and that way I can have a little bit of that experience too. And that's all that's required of you, I think. Well, nothing is really required of you, but if you want to have something required of you, be it, be it questions that you can't answer and that maybe there is no answer to. Just an endless curiosity and wonder and finding out and discovery 
So I tell you, you've never seen the breaking movies, and you go and, and, and you see them, and you find something in it you like, like you find a dancer that you're really intrigued by, or moves, you know? And bam, your, look how your curiosity paid off, and you weren't required to do anything, and you've got a good feeling. You don't have to be the center of it all. You don't have to be the center. I would find it very difficult. I forgot to, I went off in this Arnold Stang, and I didn't tell you what Arnold Stang said. So Arnold Stang was an actor, a character actor, and you might know him from, I was the voice of Top Cat. He was in Mad, Mad, Mad World. He was in um, um, the Hercules, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Hercules movie. Hey, Hank! Um, you'd know his voice, Brooklyn, dude, great, everybody loves Arnold Stang. So he was uh, saying in this little uh, article I read, interview, he said he loved being a character actor, he loved being a supported, like, guest star, because there was no pressure. He never thought, you know, when is the next movie going to happen? When is my next opportunity? He didn't have to think that, he was like, that was great. I'm going to go have an egg cream or something, you know. He's free. He's just doing his thing and moving on. He's not the center of any, anything. You can't say, well, when's that next Arnold Stang movie going to come out? You know, oh, the pressure. It's not, that's not happening. It's wonderful. I've, I've uh, uh, gotten so much about being in groups like that and knowing that I'm not in charge or that nobody's in charge or we're all just sort of adding our little thing. Sometimes in my life, I am more capable of contributing. Sometimes I've got to take a little more than I give. All oh, life is a take a penny, leave a penny affair. Sometimes you got those pennies, you give them. Sometimes you need those pennies. Don't be afraid to take them. I'm never afraid to say to my friends, hey, I'm broken. I need help going, betting back together. And they'll show up uh, with the duct tape of love and support. And I will honor that by getting fixed and letting it in and letting that love heal. So let that in, too. Say, oh, I'm tormented on my art career, my music career isn't going like I want it to. Hardy, actually, it's non-existent. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm putting a lot of effort into this and nobody cares or anything like that. Oh, I know it. I know it. I know how that feels. Like, do they really need what I do? Certainly, I think that every single week, because I think clearly they don't need this. And they, you don't. That's the thing. And nobody needs your music. And that's not the point. It isn't about needing. You know, it's about putting something out there that you're able to do, your contribution. And it might be just the thing we need. I don't want to get into evolution and biological life, but... Uh, a lot of people get evolution wrong, but that's the way it works. So these variations go out there, these mutations go out there, and none of them are designed to work in an environment. They're all just like, well, maybe one of these will work. It's the variation that's the game plan. Nothing more specific than that. It's throwing everything out there, and maybe one thing will stick. Sometimes it doesn't. Species can do that. Throw a lot out there, none of it sticks. They're gone. But let's say you got five babies. All of them are bare skin. One of them has fur. It gets real cold. Fur baby lives. So you don't know at the time, because when fur baby's born, they're like, ew. 
So it's like an ugly duckling thing. You know, don't worry about the, the relative size of your contribution that you think you may never even see the reaction of people who see break into electric boogaloo. I can't think of anybody who died right after it was made and didn't get to see the, the joy that it brought me 40 years later. But, um, um, you know, I can't tell Pop and Taco uh, if he's gone. So, you know, that was uh, amazing. You, I, was, I was feeling low and you brought a smile. That's power. You may have that power. What if one of you, you don't even know, like people send me, I get confused. So uh, sometimes the f folks that I meet through the show or something will send me their music. And I don't play a lot of music on the show. I don't know if they want me to play it or they just like, oh, I like you hard to hear my music. I hope that's it. Uh, if, if not, they're disappointed. But And I'll listen to it and sometimes I, I, I forget to tell them that it's amazing. And this has happened to me or I'll lose track and I'll say, I forget who sent this to me. This is amazing. Ah, uh, this made my day. But, you know, I think we forget what a big deal that is. Because we see people that affect millions. Oh, David Bowie dies and everybody, there's uh, the, the millions of people that are heartbroken like, like a loved one died. Such is the power of that art. Well, that's unusual. That's unusual. When you consider how many people there are and how many people making things and doing things. You know, his life was his life. And God knows what kind of burden it was or what, what the cost was to him or others. Who knows? And, you know, if one life isn't more important than any other, then if you're... The goofy song gives me more joy or pulls me out of something more than um, Major Tom. How is it not greater at that instance for me? Do I have to be somebody important? It's like, oh, somebody liked my tweet. How many followers do they have? Are they important? Are they famous? Or something like that. Have you done that on social media makes you do that? Oh, that person has thousands of followers. They must be really something. I only have three. That means no one likes me. That's an illusion. It's an illusion of a dream world, of a place where eyes are closed. I am telling you that there is a world without those things in it. These comparisons, these feelings of inferiority, ranking things. I don't know how many times I have to give a talk about the dangers of ranking things. And my Francis Galton Art of Travel lecture, I think I'm going to take it on the road. Because I think that people don't understand that when you start to say, this is better, this is best, that's fine, wonderful, can't have contests without that. But you're unleashing something that is unnatural. It is not the way the world works. Things that are best one day are worst the next. Things that are better for one person are bad for another. All right? If you have favism and you can't eat fava beans, I'm not even making that up. Okay, 
So you, you, you might not be able to eat that. They might be poison to you, but that, that mutation, all right, that genetic condition also gives you immunity to, I think, malaria. Not everything is a trade-off. I mean, <laughs> I may have arthritis, but I c now I can see into the future? No, I'm sorry. It's just pain. All right, well, thank you. I just use this as an example uh, of something that, that could go either way. What I, and the danger of ranking things. Who's better? Do you think who's better at talking? Do you think Hardy? Or then you name somebody else on radio. It's absurd. How absurd is that? Because I, what is that? Better at what? Better why? Well, people have told me you've, I've helped them. You know? How many? Doesn't matter. How, how many have you helped? Does it matter? What if, what if I saved one life? A hundred. Does it matter? Is it about numbers? You know, what's it about? What is the uh, uh, love from a thousand people? Love from one? How about just sometimes love from one or something like that? It's all uh, part of a big soup. And it's impossible to corral, you know, and you're floating in the soup. And sometimes there's a, <laughs> I like, my favorite thing is to extend a metaphor so absurdly that it doesn't make any sense anymore. So you're in the soup and every once in a while a carrot comes by and you can float on the carrot. But then the carrot might dissolve and you're back in and here's a noodle. I don't see, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. I have, when I'm trying to uh, help somebody, I throw everything in there. And I am not, uh, I don't even care if they're my ideas. You know, you're trying to help. It's not, credit is not important. And credit just isn't important. And it's also impossible to really assign. I, might, I could give something to you and I might not have written it. You say, oh, you know what song really moved me? Is um, is that Andy Williams' uh, "Love Is Blue"? And you go, well, that's not Andy Williams, really. He's about the third or fourth person to. You mean L'Amour Est Bleu, the uh, late '60s uh, Luxembourg entry into the Eurovision Song Contest? That one. So it may not be the original song that gave you that joy it may be andy going blue blue my world is blue i know that doesn't sound like him that's all i just wanted to remind you what the song was had a terrifying experience the other day where i was just sitting in my living room and i heard that song coming from an ice cream truck now that's not i wasn't dreaming i have a witness I didn't realize that this is, I hope it wasn't an ice cream truck. I just heard it, but it had that, you know, that little chime. I don't know what they call it. It's not a carillon. In a, <laughs> they have a, that'd be interesting of a church, an entire, uh, like a food truck, but it's a church and it has a carillon and a steeple and it just falls over and burns up the first time they take it out. But this was, I guess it was an ice cream truck, but it was going bling. And that didn't really make me want to buy ice cream. It made me want to be sad. So maybe they were thinking that. I go, people will be so sad they will need 
a ice cream novelty. That's what they call the, like, um, the ones that aren't, what are the, novelty. On a, a creamsicle or a, geez, yeah, my mom called them chocolate picks. And no one else does, I think. So I don't know, um, uh, the ice cream on a stick with the chocolate on it. Chocolate bar. I swear my mother called it chocolate pick. Is anybody here from New Jersey? Is that even a... I, my grandmother and my mother made things up. I'm pretty sure either that or the part of the world that they are from is just the most bizarre. And you're going, oh, the greater Philadelphia area? Yes. Most... I And you're nodding and go, yeah, that's what it is, man. Okay, it might be that or it might be just their background or something. I don't know. Bless everybody. Oh... One time, the uh, famous uh, monk, uh, writer, poet, Thomas Merton, who also has a Bermuda connection. Did you know that? No. His mom? No. All right. Well, he even his dad, I think they lived in Bermuda f briefly. His dad was a painter. Okay. Anyway, Thomas Merton, he was a famous monk, and he lived in a... Uh, a Isolate, a cloister in western Kentucky called Gethsemane. And it's still there. You can visit it, and you can go to the uh, monks. You can go say your six times a day prayers or whatever, and uh, they make chocolate and fudge and stuff when they're not praying, and they're just a bunch of good old boys in robes. And uh, he was one, and he lived alone, I think. He, he had a special dispensation to be a kind of be a hermit. But he wasn't allowed to leave the grounds. That's part of it. You can't be a hermit and go like, I'm going, I'm taking off. I'm going to the city. I'm going to fly out tonight and go. They didn't let him. They let him do that for a conference. Well, they let him do it twice. I'm going to tell you about the two times they let him off of the compound. One time was to go to uh, Louisville and have a medical procedure. And so Thomas Merton went to Louisville and had that medical procedure and, you know, kind of fell in love with his nurse because, you know, you know how that is. You've been a monk for a while and everything. But he was standing on this corner in Louisville. There's a plaque at that corner now commemorating this. And he had what he went on to call the Louisville Epiphany. And he stood there and he looked at all these people and he was overwhelmed with love. He had this love in his heart for all, like, just blew him away, that kind of electric experience, a euphoric experience of compassion, love, identifying with other human beings, a transcendent feeling. As he looked, I mean, he hadn't been with a lot of people in a long time. What? It's overwhelming. I don't know if you've been in uh, isolation during the uh, pandemic, but you can be like that the next time you're in a big crowd. You know, you haven't maybe you've gone a year or something, not seen you're in a crowd. You're <gasps> All the souls, there's so much going on, <laughs> all these lives, and it can be overwhelming. And you might feel affection or fear. He felt affection, but you could feel fear too. The second time they let him go was for a conference in Thailand, I believe in Bangkok. He was a, a great writer. He wrote a lot about uh, Eastern thought. So he wrote about um, Taoism and, and, and Buddhism. He wrote a, 
his own loose translation of Schwangza, and it's great. And it's a shows in poetry an understand a deep understanding of another tradition, and he did have that. Yeah, he was a traditional Catholic, but he had he had a real good grasp of uh, of other ways of thinking, <clears throat> and he was there to deliver a talk. He uh, took a shower. Uh, he stepped out upon a terrazzo floor. There was a faulty electrical fan there, and he was electrocuted to death. That was his second outing. His third outing, no, I'm joking. There's no third outing. He died. Um, so he was my dad. No, he wasn't because he's a monk, all right, unless I, unless you relate to the nurse. No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I, I'm sorry to make light of somebody's. It happened so long ago. But it really is horrifying. That's another way. We joke about things so we won't be terrified. Otherwise, you just think, oh, I can't ever use a fan. It's going to kill me, Hardy. So, uh, and zip, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. What did he do? What did he do? Well, I don't know what he did. And I don't want to be him. And I only know the things that he did that spoke to me. And he didn't intend to speak to me. He wasn't writing those things saying, Hardy is very interested in Eastern thought and Schwanza in particular. I will write this loose poetic translation and it will speak to him and he will carry it around for a long time in coffee shops looking at it, waiting for people to say, oh, are you interested in that too? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I wonder if I've done that with books. I think as a young person, I might have done that. That notice, but that's not a bad thing to do. It's the same thing as wearing a concert T-shirt. It's just a way of, I do it with my WFMU. The WFMU T-shirt is the same thing as reading, sitting there and reading James Joyce in public. Because you want people to go, oh, I see you're enjoying Joyce. <laughs> um, why'd you just laugh there? Hardy, because I'll tell you, there's about three or three to five jokes that go through my mind when I say things sometimes that I immediately say, don't ever say any of those things. So not all of my consciousness streams do I uh, row, sail down or row down or boat down. I, I, I don't go there. So how did he affect me? How is Thomas Merton may have had the same effect on my life as Boogaloo Shrimp and Lucinda Dickey. I think Lucinda Dickey is swell, and I'll tell you why, because she's a good dancer, looks like a normal person to me, and I always love that. I go, she just looks like somebody I know. All those people just look like friends of mine or something. Nobody looks phony to me. I guess that's why I like it too. And there's just, there's a lack of pretension in, in some bad movies. I mean, there's nothing bad about it. It's a professionally done movie. I, I challenge you to make a movie the same quality. Even Ninja 3 or something like that, where she, is that the one? I think she pours, <laughs> I think she pours V8 on herself in that, which is like, she goes for it every time. Mmm, such a fan. I'm such a fan. But um, those things have all uh, affected me. 
as have your emails. So you, my friend, who might be suffering your own pain, have written me saying, are you okay, Hardy? Or, you know, we love you. That act is absolutely the same. There is no better best as Boogaloo Shrimp's performance, as Thomas Merton's poetry. They're the same. And you say, that can't be. Well, you know, you have to be practice this and that and the other thing. I'm telling you, when it comes down to it, the effect sometimes transcends what's delivered it. It can be high art. It can be a great thinker that gives me a thing. It can be somebody else who gives me a thing that is of equal value. And it might, not, it might seem humble or simple. Don't stop doing your thing. Oh, God, I know it's hard. Oh, I know it's hard. I'm playing music for nobody. I know. I made an album. I spent money on my friends and nobody's buying it. I know. I know. All I can do is acknowledge you. I can't say there's uh, the, the, the injustice permeates everything if you see the world that way. If you see the world in those terms, then it all feels unjust. But I'm telling you, it's, in, it's, it's, it's injustice only in dreams. Because in reality, you have made a remarkable thing, the effect of which you will never know. It does not diminish its greatness. It's as great. It is a thing that you made that you brought from nothing into reality. Three people have heard it. So what? It's a beautiful gem, a gem that stays in the earth. A diamond that is still in the earth can be greater than one that has been unearthed, that has been cut into a shape and placed on a ring or placed in a crown. It is worth billions or millions or But there's one in the earth that will always remain in the earth that is even greater. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Oh, you are. You're making diamonds and you know you are. That's what hurts your heart. You know the greatness of it. Just accept it. And sometimes it's a blessing that we get to see, what if you were the only one that got to see a great thing? So I'm going to take you into a cave and I'm going to show you something that, that, uh, that royalty has never seen, that the great thinkers have never seen. I'm going to take you into a cave and I'm going to show you something that is rare and you may be the only one or a handful who have seen this thing. And it will change you and it will transform you. And you are among the lucky to have seen this thing. And that's happened to you all the time when you do this. It may have happened. I always think, you know, I have, the, I have a, a manageable amount of listeners. You know, I don't have millions of people, tens of thousands, you know. I have a few hundred people who know who I am. And so I have the potential of like talking to some of them. 
and I, and not being misunderstood or like having real, I mean, that's like a manageable amount of people to know even, you know? And uh, can't, you can't know everybody intimately. Most of the people you're surrounded with see every day you're going to know uh, better. But that doesn't mean that these acquaintances don't make your life amazing and better. And they, they might show up out of the blue with something that you need. And I feel like that too. I could have quit. I, oh, how many times have you been discouraged in the last 30 years or whatever you've been on radio? Oh, you have no clue. You know, and I've only quit once because it got, I had to. But then I came back on this radio station the, for the, through the miracle of Ken. <laughs> uh, well, Brett. Brett. Brett showed my stuff to Ken. And uh, so you have really Ken to thank, not me. You know, he's the one who showed, if, if you value me, you thank him. He showed you me. So, uh, you know, that's how I get through it. Because I, I have to, uh, uh, you know, I feel bad, and then I go, my, my eyes are closed. Open your eyes. Then I see clearly again. But, but you, you're often the one that opens my eyes. You say, wake up. Wake up, Hardy. You're all right. Wake up. There's no eyeball in the piano. There is no crisis. There's other things. There's real things. But the ones that are haunting you, they may not be real. So this is, a, you're, if you have these feelings, you've found your home. You've found your place. It's right here. Right here with others. You know, we all do things in the, the, the way we can. And the life is insanely short. And I tell everybody uh, what I feel. If I try to pay them back immediately with my gratitude, you know, I wish it was money. I wish we were paying everybody the money they deserve to, to, to live and sustain themselves and not have worry. I really do. And I, I have no advice about that. That I can't help you with. But I will say, if, you're, if your heart is aching for something that's deeper or more spiritual or more, uh, more of a philosophical question or, or uh, you know, more of a psychological one that has to do with your, your brain hurting you in, in, in a non-biological way, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. You know, you've thought yourself into this. I'm telling you that uh, you're in great company. You're in great company among the confused and the curious, because that's what we are here. We are confused and we are curious, and we are okay with that. And we are not going to have ourselves limited by certainty. You know, we're going to forge ahead. And some things have to be certain for a while, yes. You know, but we're, I'm, I can just as soon change course if my certainty is hurting me. 
Oh, my friends, you are listening to WFM. Uh, 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 let me think. Well, let me think a minute what you're listening to. You're listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in New York City, New York, and Rockland County, and online worldwide, WFMU.org, free form, freedom, free, free. Freedom free form. Oh, bless all of you so much.
the creator, my father, the divine, principle which flows through me is all. All that the creator is I am, we are, we are, we are. I thank the creator for undivided faith. For to have faith in the creator is to have undivided faith in yourself. Self-love, self-love, self-love is love for the creator, love for the creator is love for all, all your brothers and sisters. It is so easy to love your brothers and sisters when you have love for self. For you are, we are, we are all one. Look within. There is no need to look back or forward. Look within you contain the knowledge of all times. I thank the Creator for universal intelligent and divine wisdom. I ask, I give thanks, and I receive. For I am, we are, we are. I will direct only positive vibrations toward all my brothers and sisters. I will not accept negative vibrations. I will not send out negative vibrations. For to do so would dim the light within me. Which is the light of the Creator I am? We are. I have no energy to give to negativism. To give energy to negative thought and actions. Is to receive negative thoughts and actions. To give is to receive. To give is to receive. We are all one. Stop. Stop stepping back. Step in and be still and know God. The Creator is all love and harmony. There is no fear or doubt in the Creator. All we do is before the Creator. For we are. The Creator is all one. Pharaoh's Anders. Pharaoh's Anders. Pharaoh's Anders. Ha 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 ha.